Welcome to Loading the Bar with physical training experts Parker McBride and Matt Wasco. Our Fit Lifestyle podcast covers the science of nutrition and fitness, together with the challenges we all face to be disciplined. We'll guide you through the minefields of fads and gimmicks and all manner of BS that tempt us in today's fitness world. Ready to begin? Then let's start loading the bar. Welcome back, everybody, to the Loading the Bar podcast. Parker McBride here, joined as always by Matt Wasco. We are bringing you episode six today. How's it going, Matt? It's good. Good. I had a, a good morning and got to see all the, the members this morning, so it was nice. Just had my birthday. We won't talk about the age, um, but I did get a lot of crap um, for the last 24 hours from the members about my birthday. So well, happy birthday, Matt. Yeah. 29, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We won't, we won't uh, say how that's right. that is today, but um, still doing real good. So. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good week. We finally warmed back up a little bit. Yeah. So I've been enjoying that. No more sub-zero temperatures. I have to tell you, I mean, I think we mentioned this last week, but uh, my, my spirit has been a little more up, just at 30-some degrees, you know, just getting above freezing. Yeah. Because um, it was, uh, you know multiple days in a row of you know zero to under 32 was kind of messed with your spirits a little bit it kind of did i noticed walking outside this week you could walk outside in like a shorts and a hoodie and just felt nice yeah you know, yeah, was yeah, it felt good. yeah it was it was good I'm, i wore shorts today so um yeah same it's like summer yeah yeah well next week is supposed to be in the 60s Ooh. So we'll see. Mostly 50s, but a couple of days in the 60s. I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Um, so our topic today, we're going to kind of dive back into nutrition a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we kind of want to talk about, we talk about nutrition a lot at kind of a high level and what that should look like. We want to talk about some specific foods because um, what we find with people that we work with is um, there's a lot of misconceptions about what people should be eating, what they shouldn't be. Um, specific foods that people often hear about as being really healthy foods that maybe aren't, and then foods that people are told to stay away from because they're unhealthy for you and they're actually healthy. All right. Yes. So we shouldn't be surprised with in, with today's world with our media that that sometimes that we have to do our own research and actually look into the real facts, not just believe what the media tells us. And I'm just going to start right up from the top and say. Um, being at the uh, World Health Organization or Economic uh, Forum, I think they call it, that the, they want you to eat bugs. That is not something we want to eat. Nope. <laughs> bugs would be the top of the list of the foods that they're trying to push on us that are actually not. That's for right. Us. That's correct. All right. No bugs coming from, from this table <laughs> right here. No. All right. So uh, what we're going to start off with is... Talk about some of the foods that um, people are told are healthy and that a lot of times are included in their diet because they think that they're supposed to, but maybe they shouldn't. Right. All right. And I don't think, uh, we were talking about it beforehand, and I, I don't think there could be one that is more important than seed oils. Yes. That's at the top of the list. Yes. Um, we have been preached and preached to by the media, by health organizations that Seed oils are a better substitute 
for um, animal fats and things in terms of cooking oils. And mm-hmm. that is absolutely not the case. Right. Yeah. Mostly because I, I did some research on this and a lot of the seed oils, excuse me, a lot of the seed oils um, have low smoking points and um, become very toxic, inflammatories. Um, and, you know, I think I mentioned this in an earlier podcast that one day I had extra time. And uh, I had to pick something up for my wife at high and I was like, well, I am. I'm going to spend a little time here. I went and turned over every snack bag in the uh, chip aisle, every single one, 100% of them use seed oil, 100%. So finding, you know, even the snacks or chips that don't use anything, even power bars, um, you know, protein bars. A lot of them have seed oils, which some we can discuss. But yeah, it's um, it's something you want to avoid or eating very little of, you know, only in a pinch. Yeah, there's a highly, highly refined process that goes into creating these seed oils. Um, And if you think about, you know, way back before seed oils were around, what they come around probably in the 70s, 80s, way back before that, um, everything was cooked in animal fats. Tallow, so beef tallow, yeah. butter, things like that. Yeah. Um, and lard. Lard. Yeah. And, and the seed oils kind of replace those. But if you think about it, beef tallow is just beef fat. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a very naturally occurring ingredient. You know, butter, the process of, of achieving butter is taking the cream off of milk, which right. is a very naturally occurring product. Milk. Right. <clears throat> um, there's not a lot of refining process that goes into making those products right whereas seed oils let's take a think about a basket of seeds and then think about a jug of seed oil can can, i mean is there anybody who really can't explain exactly what has to take place (laughs) in order to make those seeds into that oil right yeah i i don't even really uh i can't say i completely understand the process um but i understand the the uh, risks and um, the negative impact of taking, you know, using seed oils over a long period of time. And so I, outside of how they process it, you know, I, I really, at this point, I just try to know the negative effects and I stay away from it. Well, anymore, I, I don't really know a lot of people that change their own oil in their car, mm-hmm. um, but I do. And I do too. Uh, when I, I mean, think, think about it, yeah. Matt. When you're pouring that new oil in, what is it? It, it? it looks very similar to the seed oil that you'd be pouring in whenever you're cooking something. What if you could put it in your car? I, I, you know, might be worth a try. <laughs> let's not, let's not do it on the expensive part. Right, right. Uh, they're very, very similar products. It appears like, and I'll tell you what. Um, I, I don't think that's about no, no, and I. You know, and there's a whole list, and I, I, maybe if we put our brains together, we can call, recall them all. But you know, one of them, that the ones that you want to stay um, use is like you know we've talked about tallow, lard, butter, uh, olive oil, um, avocado oil. Those are about coconut oil. Coconut oil, yes, coconut oil. That's about as far as you want to. You don't want to go outside of those. And every time I cook meat, I use tallow. So. Um, you know, and it's 
great. Works fantastic. You know, it, it's I can have that pan three hundred and fifty degrees, and that tallow does fine. Yeah, when you're cooking beef, uh, most of the time, whatever you're cooking has enough beef fat in it that mm-hmm. you can just cook it in its own fat. Yeah. Really, um, my favorite for cooking eggs is just butter. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll butter the pan, cook eggs on there. Um, olive oil, I like using. Maybe we're cooking chicken because. Uh, a lot of times chicken, especially chicken breast, is very lean. You do need an oil to kind of cook it in. Um, I'll use olive oil for that. But, you know, uh, I think canola oil is the most popular mm-hmm. seed oil by far. And for those of you that don't know, that comes from grape seeds. Mm-hmm. So another another uh, name that I'm not sure I want to be eating, right. grape seeds. But so grape seeds, um, there is sunflower oil coming from sunflower seeds. So, safflower. Safflower. Safflower, that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Um, there's cottonseed oil, mm-hmm. uh, grapeseed oil. And one of the things that I heard somebody say one time, um, taking a more logical approach to why we really don't know the, nobody knows the exact reason why these seed oils are so terrible for you. We are just finding in the data that um, a high concentration of use of seed oils is producing negative health effects. For right. people, and I heard somebody say one time that let's take uh, like grape seeds for example. Grape seed oil. If you were to take the amount of seeds that it takes to produce a little cup of grape seed oil, and then you extrapolate that to how many grapes that is, it would be like hundreds and hundreds of pounds of grapes. So they they said. In order for you to eat enough grapes to get as many grape seeds as you're getting whenever you're using that grape seed oil, mm-hmm. you would have to eat hundreds of pounds of grapes. And it's it's not it's not a naturally occurring phenomenon for somebody to eat that many grape seeds. Right. Normally. Because you, right. you, you can't eat that many grapes. So the whole theory behind it is it's not something that would be natural for a human to do, to eat that many seeds at one time. But right. through that refining and processing, we can get that many seeds packed into one liquid, and then people are consuming them when they're consuming the oil. Seems like such a waste of a uh, a nice fruit. Well, what they do is they take the seeds out of the, the grapes, like in that right. case. And so you've got to. So let's say that you're the the grape. You own a vineyard, mm-hmm. and you pick all the grapes and you go sell the grapes. You can sell the grapes with the seeds in them. And people won't even like them as much because they've got seeds. And people don't want to eat grapes with seeds as much because you got to deal with seeds. Seedless grapes are, are right. pretty popular. Right. Well, so then you take the seeds out and you get to sell the grapes for more money. Then you've got all these seeds. What are you going to do with that? Right? Are you just going to toss them out or are you going to try to create a marketable product with them? Right. So then what you do is you take and you figure out how to refine these grape seeds into something that you can actually sell to people. And now you've got two marketable products. I have to be be honest. I'm not uh, real familiar with the process, you know. So I made an assumption that you know grapes were being destroyed by pulling the seeds out. But apparently, you, you're saying that they pull the seeds out and still sell the grapes seedless. Mm-hmm. Huh? I yeah. didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. I stay away from that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big grape guy either. Yeah, but um, and what we're going to find too, as we go throughout this list, is a lot of these 
uh, things we're going to bring up actually have seed oils in them. And that's part of the reason why they're bad. But we'll get to that later. Um, next one I wanted to talk about is skim milk. Mm. Right? Mm. So it was more popular a few years ago, but everyone wanted to drink the skim milk because the theory was you take all the fat off the top and then you've got this healthy milk that is low fat. But it's not as healthy as having the fat. Why is that, Matt? Because the fat is a good energy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The fat's very healthy to have. And in the absence of fat, you've basically got um, what you're basically drinking is like sugar water. Right. Kind of. Yeah. And I know that, uh, you know, I think even 10 years ago, my wife liked skim milk, you know. And I bring, I would go out and get the raw milk that still has the the chunkies on the top. <laughs> yeah, I love that, you know. And there's nothing else than raw, a bit better than raw milk with some uh, chocolate syrup, mm. making a good chocolate uh, milkshake almost. But it's this chocolate, chocolate milk. syrup. Don't, you know, don't listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's this, oh my goodness, I can, I mean, I know when I go to the farmer's market, sometimes I'll be drinking the milk on, on the way home. Good. That's so good. Yeah. It's so the, the fat's part of what makes it taste good. Yeah. And so it is, it tastes very, if you go from drinking full fat milk to drinking skim milk, it, it is very watery, doesn't taste as good. Um, and if you think about it, going back to our point about the grape seeds just a minute ago, if you have full fat milk, you skim the cream off the top, you sell it as skim milk. Right. What do you do with the cream? You take it, you sell it as cream. Right. So what they've done is they've taken one product and they turned it into two marketable products for it. You might as well just buy the milk with the cream. Yeah, exactly. And you could even, if you like coffee, you can even put, you know, raw milk right in your coffee. That is true. Yeah, it does. It. I think it, it tastes good. So, yeah. you know, <clears throat> something that's, you know, a lot of reasons milk's made the way it is is so it, it sits on the shelf longer. The pasture yes. is And um, you know, raw milk, one of the things I learned, um, I think it was from the farmer's market, is like, you know, I I get I buy the raw milk and I be good for about four days. And um so I would bring um you know a cooler to get the milk right in there and get it home and get, get about seven days, which is about perfect. Well, the, the fat is the part that spoils the quickest is what causes the milk to spoil. Right. So what we end up having is the skim milk, if you take the fat off of it, will last longer on the shelf. And so that's another benefit that they get too. Because when you think about it, if you're going to the store, you're buying milk at the store, you know, it's got an expiration date on there, but right. it doesn't have a milk date. Right. You have no idea when that was milked. Right. Um, and sometimes it could have even been weeks because the pasteurization process involves taking the milk, heating it up to a temperature that is high enough to kill all the enzymes so the bacteria cannot grow. Right. Um, and then it's packaged up and sent off. And by doing that, it keep it allows it to not spoil for weeks at it a time. It's killing off some of the uh the nutrients that are in there. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um Raw milk is is a highly yeah, that's kind of a that's a whole other topic right there because it is a highly controversial uh, topic. 
to discuss, and a lot of people are very strongly against raw milk because, right. you know, the bacteria, you know, if done incorrectly and if sanitation practices are not followed, right. you can have bacteria that can be very harmful to people who consume it. But when done correctly, that there is no risk. So, I mean, it's just something that, you know, if you're wanting to, you know, they regulate so much crap, you know, that shouldn't be regulated. I mean, that's, you just have to make sure that um, there is a standard to how you make your milk and that that's followed. And <clears throat> even Kansas, I was part of a project for um, a push for goat's milk. And um, Kansas has a law, or did have a law, that um, did not allow you to advertise uh, raw goat milk. Mm. You couldn't, all the place you could advertise was on your property. You couldn't put, you could even, you couldn't even go out and tell someone that you have it. That's how strict the law was. And about two or three years ago, I was part of a, um, more from the production side, and I helped produce a video that got that law overturned. And so now you can advertise goat milk, um, you know. So everyone's really freaked out by not having pasteurization, and um, but it's the hel- it's the healthiest milk you can get. Well, I'll put it this way: I've been drinking probably a gallon, a gallon or even more a week of raw milk for over two years. Well, that's I'm just fine. <laughs> well, that's what we did for centuries. That's so. true. It's absolutely. <laughs> I mean. We invented pasteurization in what, like the nineteen twenty or something like mm-hmm. that. Louis Pasteur invented pasteurization. Uh, people lived before that. Yeah, that's what I didn't say. So. Well, you kind of think about what's. I mean, not just that, but you kind of think what's happened to food in the last hundred years, and how the uh, we've had all these new types of um, illnesses that we didn't have. Um, all these, you know, even like autism and um, you know, cancer and, you know, all these things that we didn't have or the, as prevalent before the turn of the 20th century. You know, we get into the 20th century and suddenly we're having an uptick of all these different um, chronic, chronic diseases. diseases that we haven't didn't deal with prior. So it, you have to think about, well, why is that? You know, I, mean, I don't want to go too far down the, the rabbit hole here, but just keeping it on a basic level, I think it has a lot to do with what we eat. 100%. Garbage in, garbage out. Right. Right. Where were the fat people 50 or 100 years ago? Exactly. Where, where were they? they? They weren't there. Right. You know, where, where was the diabetes? Where right. was the heart disease you know, 100 years ago? We and then we're not saying there was no fat people, but the reality was is that everything's in percentages, right? So, you know, the amount of really heavy overweight people was like a dichotomy of difference between where it is today and where it was 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, next food, <clears throat> peanut butter. Yes. That's been one of the ones that <clears throat> I've seen, a, it's still very misunderstood. Right. That, well, I'm, I'm having peanut butter. Lots of, that's a health food, isn't it? Peanut butter. Peanut butter is one of those, like we talked about earlier, talking about seed oils. Peanut butter is made from seed oil. Right. You know, so if you don't think seed oils are healthy, you can't think that peanut butter is healthy. Well, it's funny. Um, I talked to, we, like I said, we always talk to our trainees about uh, their diet. And I'll say, well, 
know, how's your protein going? Oh, I had my peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. I mean, I hear that probably half the time. You know, I had my peanut butter sandwich. And I'm like, no, that's not. <laughs> one, it's not a huge uh, protein intake. Mm-hmm. And two, it's just not healthy. Yeah, so the processing that goes into it, the ingredients, if you look at the ingredients on uh, in peanut butter, you're going to see that seed oil as the number one ingredient to that. And there's so much better in terms of um, how much protein it has in it and then the quality of the protein in other foods. Right. And there's really, if you like protein, a lot of times people who really, really like protein, um, if I'm working on a diet plan for them, I will include it in very small amounts as sort of a treat. Mm-hmm. for them but it is not something that you know you shouldn't be thinking about it in terms of a health food as in oh i'm, I'm i need to be eating this every day because it's very healthy for me right right um and i think that's one of the things that i do want to jump in and say when we're talking about these unhealthy foods is not that any of them can never be eaten it's just right. they need to be treated like other types of foods that are well known to be unhealthy, where it's like, okay, you can have that a little bit as a cheat if you want to, right. but it's not something that, like you talked about the chip aisle and all the chips have seed oils in them. Doesn't mean you can't ever eat chips, but understand there are no such thing as chips that are health foods. Right. Well, and it's you know it's kind of the same thing. I have a lot of people come to me and and they their protein bars are part of their protein intake, and um, I will always stress, it's like, eh, it's like, I would avoid making protein bars a big part of your protein intake. You know, mostly from the standpoint of the seed oils that put in them. And I said, in a pinch, hey, I sometimes will grab a protein bar. I try to avoid them, but in a pinch, that's the only time I would do that. It says, you know, it's going to be about more meal preparation. And, you know, something you said uh, in our very first uh, episode where you were talking about if the the mindset's there, you'll create the opportunities for you to get the correct foods and make the time, and and that's the it's about the mindset, you know, because I don't I mean I'm not, and again I'm not shortchanging the fact that life is difficult. We all get in those pinches. We all run into uh, an area where it's like suddenly uh, something happens and we can't function like we were doing for six months in a row. And suddenly we have a couple of weeks that are kind of chaotic. There you go. That's your, you know, your pinch, your moment. And you're like, you know, my whole day has been thrown upside down, you know, but you're thinking about that protein bar or that we're getting more protein in and you quick grab a quick bar to kind of keep that protein up there. That would be those type of moments where I would say it's okay. Yeah. And a pinch. So maybe, maybe, maybe we say this. If you're going to the grocery store, you should only be buying a box of protein bars maybe like once a month, not once a week. Exactly. Right? Once a month is like, okay, you threw one in every every few days on a, at a pinch, but if you're buying them every week and they're part of your regular meals and, and you're intending to eat protein bars every day, because it's the same thing when we talk about ingredients uh, and process processing. So right. a protein bar, it's still you're going to find seed oils. Almost always, right in protein bars, and you're going to find an ingredients list if you go on the back of the package. You know, on a, on a protein bar, you know, you got a there's that flap on the back of the packaging. You flip up, and it's got the ingredients listed, and then it goes over to the back of the flap, and it goes over, mm-hmm. and it's in this mm-hmm. it's in this tiny little font that you can barely even see because they've got to list all these ingredients. Right, out, right. there's so many. 
Yeah. You know, and, and that's another problem is just a large number of ingredients. The higher the number of the ingredients, the higher the amount of processing that it took to, to get all that together. Well, that's a general rule of thumb. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll pick up a package and I'll uh, just look at the ingredients list. And if it's usually, you know, more than four lines, uh, don't even read it, put it down. You know, that's a general rule. I'm not saying that they're, you know, super unhealthy, but it's a general rule that like, hey, if you have to put that many ingredients in there, then most likely we're starting to get into to an unhealthy product. Yeah, absolutely. There shouldn't be that much processing going into it. Correct. Okay. Um, I want to touch on yogurt too. Mm-hmm. So one of the things with yogurt is people just think, generally speaking, yogurt equals healthy. Now, there is such a thing as healthy yogurt, but what we have to watch out for is the kinds of yogurts that we're eating. So if you've ever had just like plain old, unadded Greek yogurt. Have you ever had that before? No, I don't know if I have. I like mean, the I'm not bad I don't like Greek yogurt, so Okay. But I so I'm probably not. Well <clears throat> um it's not it doesn't taste like regular yogurt. Right. And there's a reason for that. That's just plain yogurt right there. Mm-hmm. Um and it has a very sour, almost like bitter taste to mm-hmm. it. Um and so when you go to the store and you buy like a like a little individual cup of yogurt with the the, the lid you gotta peel off and it, it's nice and sweet and it's chocolatey cinnamon flavory whatever you know people think oh i mean this whole food this yogurt but what did they have to do to get it from the sour like just raw yogurt to that right well they added a bunch of additives and sugars to make it taste sweet right so you just took something that was healthy in its raw form and turned it into something that is unhealthy right so for yogurts what I always recommend for everybody is to just start with that basic Greek yogurt. You know, you go get the the Fage, Fage or, or whatever brand. Make sure it's just just plain yogurt, unflavored. Right. And then from there, if you want to add some flavor to it, you can add in some fruit, mm-hmm. a little bit of honey, mm-hmm. you know, something like that to mix in there. And then you get that sweetness without having the processed sugar. Right. But you don't want to get it already flavored and think that you're eating something healthy because you're not. Well, and I know that um, I think I haven't had it in a long time, but I and I don't even remember, it was probably a decade ago where I, you buy the plain yogurt with no flavor in it, and it does have kind of that sour taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did put honey in that. You know, it's not Greek yogurt, but um, I've never been a f- big fan of Greek yogurt, but you know, the, I, I have done that, so I kind of know as far as taste what to expect. Yeah, and so you'd have to put a decent amount of honey in there, and you'd get some flavor. Yeah, honey's—that's just kind of a little bit of a side note too—is a fantastic substitute for processed sugar, right? And it's natural and it's raw, and you can get it from—you can get it local. Right, so honey is one of those foods. Um, there are people all around the area with beehives that have honey that you can get. You put the honey in your foods instead of the sugar, you almost can't tell the difference. Right. Uh, my wife does a lot of, of her baking with honey instead. You can't tell the difference. Right. And you're eating honey instead of processed sugar. 
Another benefit of honey that most people don't realize is, um, so the bees, right, they produce the honey from the, the pollen from the flowers and, and the plants that are around them. Right. And they found in studies that if you consume honey that is from bees that were local to you, your allergies are significantly improved or even go away. And the reason for that is because you're you're eating this this pollen and this honey that is produced from these flowers and these weeds that are all around you. So whenever those weeds start to come up and produce allergies for people, you've already got the protection in there because you ate that honey. Right. So if you buy honey at the store, you know, it may have came from a completely different geographical region where they have different flowers and different weeds that the bees were getting their pollen from. And so you don't have that allergy protection. Natural, local, raw honey consumption is a big factor in reducing allergies, yeah. seasonal allergies. Yeah, we have, I know we have members in the gym who have seasonal allergies and they eat a lot of lo- local honey. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is uh, <clears throat> it's a big help for anybody that I've talked to. So the next thing I want to talk about is soy. And one of the big problems with soy is it leads to, it, it causes a, a large increase in estrogen. Right, which is obviously going to be more problematic for males and his females because males, you know, soy make you make you a girly guy, you know, <laughs> raise your estrogen and, and and lower your testosterone. For women, not not as worrisome, but we have so many. Uh, this is a whole other topic we could get into, but there are so many things in this in this world and in the environment that are causing estrogen levels to go up that we don't need any extra help. Even even women don't really need any extra help with raising their estrogen. So right. um, soy is a big problem. It's a lot of times used as a replacement. People think, oh, well, I'll eat soy and it'll be healthier, healthier than eating like meat. Right. Um, and we see it as a huge, it's used a lot in plant-based meats and things like that. And that's another thing that we're very against is plant-based meats. We're, oh my gosh. We yes. want, we want meat-based meats. Yes. Or we want the, uh, what I've heard before is, is plant-based meats because the cow ate plants so therefore well it's plant-based something i heard the other day which was quite disturbing is that they're using human dna to manufacture meat for us to eat wow yeah that's is over in europe that's i just i cannibals cannibal yeah like (laughs) human like i don't know i don't quite understand the process but it's called you know manufactured meat and they it's they can make meat that kind of sort of looks like meat and it's done with 3d meat printers and they use, um, I heard the most recently they use in human DNA to create these meat like products. And then it's like, Holy smokes. So I haven't verified that yet. So I don't want to get too far down the road, but it was something I saw the other day and I'm like, you know, I do know that they already have, um, these, um, meats that have been manufactured being sold in some restaurants over in Europe. Yeah. And they have, they have said that they don't have to necessarily advertise where the meat came from. Yeah. They don't have to advertise that it was 3d printed. Yes. Yeah. Which is pretty uh, sneaky. 3d printing meat. That's their lab grown meat or any of those things. You know, why do you think why do you think there's such a push to obtain meat from all these other sources, whether it's plant-based, whether it's 3D printed, whether it's lab-grown? Why not just 
meat, regular meat? Uh, you know, I, I, the only thing I can think of, you know, is it has something to do with control and how I would describe that. I don't want to get into, but you know, why move us away from what we've been eating for the history of man, you know, um, outside of a, you know, the theory of global warming, you know, cow, you know, they seriously take it serious that cows fart. <laughs> they take that serious. And, you know, I don't, to me, I think it's all an agenda and I think it's all about control If they can control what we eat. Then they control our health. And that's what concerns me. But again, I am spitballing here. You know, what's kind of crazy. And I've thought about this before, but I've never really <clears throat> brought it up or said it. I grew up on a farm. Me and my dad have cattle farmed for a long time. I've spent a lot of time around cattle. I've never heard one of them fart. Yeah. I've seen, I mean, they poop all the time, but they're not just, people act like they're just constantly, <laughs> they're like passing gas. That is, You're right. I, I haven't witnessed that. Well, I you think know? it was the World Economic Forum uh, that recently said that uh, they wanted everyone off meat by the year 2035 or 2040. And I thought, man, something, something's afoot here. You know what I got to say to that? What's that? Over my dead body. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I won't yeah. be, if that's the case, then I won't be alive in 2035. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Without a doubt. So here's to uh, saying our prayers and making sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's an interesting one. That We'll kind of see how that all unfolds over the next few years. But it's just interesting that they're pushing so hard against the meat, and I'm not sure I buy the the global warming reasoning as being the, no. the reasoning for it. No. Um, next on the list, <clears throat> so I wanted to touch, this is one that's been mostly debunked, and I'm sure most of you guys listening to this understand it, but I want to touch on it real quick just to be sure, and that is uh, certain types of breakfast cereal. So obviously everyone knows the sugary cocoa puffs fruity pebbles stuff like right. that that's not good for you but there are brands of breakfast cereal that try to brand themselves as a healthy alternative to other breakfast foods you know namely like cheerios or bran flakes or corn flakes things like that um <clears throat> one of the things that's always confused me is the cheerios commercials mm -hmm. where they are it's like the little bee that flies around he's like oh it's it's heart healthy yeah. And I'm thinking, what about Cheerios makes it heart healthy? Yeah. Why would it be good for your heart? Yeah. I, you know, I, again, what got me off of cereals was um, the um, dyes that they put in them. Mm. Um, you know, and I probably within, I haven't, I haven't been eating cereal for probably 20 years, but there was a time and that's, that was part of what's considered healthy, you know? Yeah. I mean, they put out those those lists of all the healthy items, which is actually was, they were all very unhealthy. And um, I remember looking at all the dyes they put in those those cereals in, um, and then the uh, enriched uh, bleach that they use as far as in some of the, the other cereals. But it's it was one of the things that I, I just moved away from and just, eggs yeah. in the morning that well was, and that's the that's kind of a, a whole nother topic here but <clears throat> that i think we should touch on in this episode but when you talk about 
Cheerios or breakfast cereals saying they're heart healthy, what that actually comes from is not necessarily saying in a positive that these are healthy standalone. But what they're advertising is that they are healthier than this other alternative. And what they're referring to is eggs, basically. Right. Eggs are very high in saturated fat and cholesterol. And they decided, the government came out and decided many, many decades ago that saturated fat and cholesterol were really, really terrible for you. And therefore, we needed to eat foods that were not that. So eggs had to go away. Mm-hmm. So what these breakfast cereals said is they came out and basically, basically what they're saying is eggs are bad for you. We're not eggs. Therefore, we're healthy. Right. Regardless of what you think about the health of eggs or any other common breakfast food, do you, do you think it makes sense to market something as healthy just because it's not something else? No. That doesn't make not. any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make no sense. But, yeah. but, but yet they were allowed to do that just because they could say, oh, it's low in fat, it's low in saturated fat, it's low in cholesterol, it's healthy. Right. You know what else is low in cholesterol? Sugar. Yeah. Do you, you should go out and say, oh, just <laughs> right. pour sugar down your throat because it's low <laughs> in cholesterol. You know, and that's the crazy part about it is, is we need to focus on more um, like positive statements of this is a healthy food, not just, well, it doesn't have this in it, therefore it's healthy. You know, and that's right. when we get into like a food label discussion about things being labeled as fat-free or sugar-free or these buzzword food labels, you know, organic or all natural because these food labels will advertise you things to try to get you to buy their food. But just because it has that food label on it does not mean that it is healthy. Well, they put a lot of processed sugar in a lot of those cereals. Mm-hmm. In fact, they put a lot of processed sugar in almost everything at the grocery store. And sugar is like one of the – if people do the research, sugar feeds disease. It's why disease spreads in your body because it uses that sugar. A lot of time you clean that sugar up, uh, even sometimes having to remove fruit, and you the disease will – either mitigate or disappear there's been some studies about that there has been yeah and this is an anecdotal piece but it's something i wanted to bring up we're now 20 this is january 27th so we're i'm 27 days into carnivore month in january and you know january is normally a month where like it's winter time and i'm dealing with little sicknesses here and there colds sniffles things like that one of the things that i've noticed is that I have not even felt the least bit sick, sniffly, cold, sore throat, anything like that, Mm -hmm. the whole month. Mm -hmm. And what is the main thing that's taken out of my diet by doing carnivore was sugar, because I'm still getting lots of protein, I'm still getting lots of animal fats, but there's no sugar in the diet. And any of that sickness has gone away. It's funny you mention that. this whole month since December, my family has all been sick. I mean, really sick. And I didn't sweat it because I know my, that some, I mean, my son eats pretty fairly healthy, you know, not all the time, you know, but, um, but my, uh, all the other members in my family have been really sick. And all I've had is kind of like a, you know, kind of a uh, stuffy nose. That's about it. Uh, I've been healthy the entire time as they've been. I've been 
I'm with them all the time, you know? So there's something to be said. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know how to stress it enough is that, and I, I talked to trainees. I was like, man, I'm telling you, if you eat healthy, you clean the sugars up, you clean up the processed foods, you know, you're just, you're, you're at another level and you don't really know what you're missing until you do it. You know, so a lot of the, the body adjusts to them eating all these processed foods, you know, the body adjusts to that. And when you clean yourself off of that, you feel great. And then if you ever go back and you eat some of that junk, um, I think I had like a, I was in a pinch, me and my wife were driving along the highway and there was no food between an hour away and where we were coming from. And I was just like, I, I got to eat something. I'm going to die, you know, and just, it was this poor planning on our part. So we stopped at Hardee's and I got me some hamburger and I ate that and I feel felt terrible, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, you're, you'll be surprised how, how custom the body gets to eating healthy and how terrible you feel when you put junk into it. Yep. And it's almost immediate. I mean, I feel bad within an hour of eating that food. Eat healthy to be healthy. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> it's that simple. Yeah. Um, if the food's not healthy, there's no reason to think that it's going to make you be healthy as a person. And well, the idea I, yeah. that, you know, and the idea that you can eat unhealthy and then sort of exercise to make up for it and then become healthy is not true. I've had many members come up to me and say, uh, when they were young, they relied on their, uh, youth and where their metabolism ate really shitty. And I just had a phone call the other day from a friend. He was, you know, he was calling me, he saw some posts that I was in and he was asking me about what I eat and how I work out. And he goes, you know, when I was younger in my twenties, I worked out all the time, but I ate terrible. And I said, well, you're, you know, that metabolism, that's what you're relying on. I said, think how far, much farther along you would have been if you eaten healthy. And, uh, he said, oh, absolutely. You know, he says, I, I definitely felt, you know, some, uh, negative effects or how poorly I ate. That just goes to show how important it is to teach that early on and to teach that to the younger generations. Because I do think that over time, a lot of people learn that down the road, right? Because they do get to their thirties and forties and it, it's not as easy as it used to be. And they ha- they have to figure out how to do it. They either become unhealthy or they have to figure out how to eat healthy. Right. One of the two. And so what we need to do is educate at a much younger age educate these kids when they're growing up how to eat healthy and how to eat correctly. And obviously they can choose when they're adults, whether to do so or not. Right. But at least equip them with the ability to do it. Because what we find in our trainees a lot of times is brand new people. They don't know how they're not just saying, eh, I know how to do it, but I just lack the discipline. A lot of people don't even know how to eat healthy and that's because it's a lack of education. So you know, every opportunity we get, we should be trying to help the next generation, the younger generation learn how to be healthy in health class. I mean, the only, the only thing I can think of from my formal education, um, I did in college take some nutrition classes and things just as an elective, I wasn't forced to, but the only class I was required to take to graduate high school 
was health class. And, you know, I can't really remember learning hardly anything about nutrition right in that class whatsoever i think it should be a mandatory part of the curriculum in public schools to do some in-depth teaching on nutrition i will say this um when i was growing up i can't remember it was the fda that put it out um but there was a pyramid oh the food pyramid the food pyramid and that was pushed on us as kids from the time I was young, um, in school, on TV, at the doctor, uh, my parents bought in, and that pyramid is like completely reverse of what it should be. And um, you know, I was like, that—that that was an indoctrination in my my view of you know of having an entire generation that ate poorly. Well, maybe I changed my mind then. Maybe we shouldn't teach nutrition in public schools because they'll, they'll mess it up. <laughs> they obviously tried that and did mess it up because yeah. you're right. So the, the food pyramid was still around when I was in like elementary school. Mm -hmm. I remember it being a thing. And yeah. I mean, remember they say the bottom, the big thing, the, the most you should eat is the is the grains. Yeah. And the carbs and the yeah. sugars and the process. And then what was at the top and the very small was the fats. Yeah. Right. So they're basically saying replace all of your fats with sugars and then there was like meats and dairies and stuff at the top is very small my food pyramid is like meat fruits vegetables <laughs> very little sugars and, and right. carbs at the top right. it's almost inverted yeah and i do believe that that is a big reason why we lack the ability to feed ourselves healthily today well everyone has a misconception that's why we're having this discussion is like everyone is worried about salt and how it's bad for you or they think it's bad for them and i'm like uh-uh you know or they you know the doctor will tell them hey this is the diet i want you to eat and it be and and you know that's where you have to be real careful as a trainer because i'm not a medical quote-unquote professional mm -hmm. uh, i'm just a trainer so i have to be cautious about you know, what I say against what a doctor's advice is, but, you know, um, I'll just say what I would eat. I'm not telling you what to do with your, you know, you need to consider your doctor's advice. Um, but that's not what I would, I, I would almost go the opposite direction. No, well, let, let's, I was actually watching a documentary. I was talking to Matt about this before we <clears throat> jumped on this podcast. I was watching a documentary talking about it was talking about a lot of things, but one of the things it was talking about was how the food pyramid came to be. And, you know, this was back in the 70s. Um, there was some issues starting to take place with, uh, like, uh, poverty-induced hunger. So, you know, people around the country that maybe they didn't have enough, uh, didn't have enough money and they were hungry is kind of what they were saying. And so right. the government... Um, they, the Senate started a committee that basically was going to go into trying to solve this hunger. And one of the things that they did, because they said, well, we can solve the hunger. How do we solve the hunger? We feed them. Well, what do we feed them? So they decided to do this study and say and decide what is the ideal American diet. And they were going to figure that out, and then they were going to use this dietary guidelines to help 
feed people and start pushing food out to, to kids and to, to people in poverty and things like that. And they did some studies. They talked to some people and, you know, how government goes with lobbyists and stuff. You pay off politicians, whatever. Well, anyway, they, they decided to study the negative effects of saturated fat and cholesterol on health. Mm-hmm. And they started these studies. And if anybody knows about scientific studies, they take a very long time to complete. Mm-hmm. And they actually had a clip in the documentary of the Senate committee meeting and the leader of the committee, you know, they were talking about, well, the, the, we haven't finished the studies yet. We haven't finished scientific studies. We don't really know what the results of these are, if this is true or not. And the guy said, you know what? He said, you scientists may have the luxury of being able to take a really long time to do these studies. But he said, we're the government. We don't have this time. We have to act now. We're just going to push forward with it regardless of what the studies say we're, we don't even have the results yet but we're going we have to push forward because we have to get this done for the people and so they went ahead and they completed this project based on their assumptions that they had not tested whether they were true or not and then what was the result of it is they built the food pyramid they they sent it to the usda and they started pushing that in just out to the public in schools, in any government organization, started pushing this food pyramid. And, I mean, I was talking about that being a thing when I was in elementary school. That was in the early 2000s, early to mid-2000s. So this was in the 70s. I mean, we're talking about 40 years that this was the go-to education on how to eat as a human in the United States. Right. And it was not based on the evidence of the research the way that people think that it was. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can just say from my schooling as well, it was pushed hard, you know, uh, it was something that was passed around and the teachers looked at it and passed it to all us and said, you know, let's, let's learn this pyramid. This is what we eat. And so there's, there was a a lot of trust given to the government. And what is the, what is the motto of the government? It take advantage of a tragedy or take advantage of a, a, a serious situation and use it for, uh, I would say, uh, devious purposes. And, um, you know, so, I mean, it's one of those things where you, um, you have to be careful about when the government's trying to solve a problem. Well, let's think about this logically for a second, because, you know, you could say, well, the government has these terrible intentions, but let's just, let's just say, for example, for the sake of argument, that they don't have terrible intentions. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that they actually want to do what's right and what's healthy. But if you're somebody, let's say you're, let's say you're, uh, you manufacture a certain product and then all of a, a food product. And all of a sudden you hear that the government is, the government is going to start studying what humans should be eating and what the ideal American diet is to you. That should be, I mean, a light bulb should go off. Ah. Oh, I need to go talk to the government and convince them that my food product that that I create is the best thing for Americans to eat. That way they will tell America that my product is what they should eat, and then you get infinite sales, right? Everyone's going to buy your product if the government says you need to eat it. Right. So I bet that these government officials are probably being bombarded by people lobbying them saying, hey, you know, this should this is what people should eat because this is what I sell. And at that point, 
you basically have a food pyramid that results from whoever can lobby the government the most. Well, which is still falls into corruption, corruption yeah. and, and take advantage of us. Not necessarily <laughs> trying to make us unhealthy, but just taking the money over caring about our health. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> ultimately, if you have a, you know, it's kind of not to segue too far away from what we're talking about, but it's, it's kind of human nature and we all kind of fall into it, I guess, at times. But the goal is we do things, we do what we should be doing because it's the right thing. Right. And a lot of times man falls into, I do this thing because it benefits me. Yeah. And that goes from us as individuals all the way up to government and or lobbyists or, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, hey, my product isn't the best, but and you can make a lot of money. So I'm going to lobby for it, even though I know it's not the best for, you know, the population. And um, unfortunately, you know, we deal with that throughout time. So, well, and another thing you have to look at, too um, long-term profitability. So let's say that you're the government and you, you gave these guidelines that are making everyone unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So what happens to unhealthy people? They have to go to the doctor. They have to go take medication. So then you say, Oh man, we messed up. We gave the wrong guidelines. We told people to eat these wrong things. We need to change our guidelines back. Well, then what happens? The medical industry says, oh, no, 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 no. We're making a bunch of money off all these unhealthy people, giving them medications and, and, and treating them and treating these diseases. We can't make, go making them healthy because then we'll lose money. Exactly. So then they, they're, you know, so, I mean, any way you look at it, there's money to be, if there's money to be made, then, then whatever's ideal is not going to be pushed. Well, medicine is about treating the problem not solving the problem exactly you solve the problem your your money goes away right right but if you just treat the problem you know instead of saying well if you do this you could i mean like what they found diabetes is a good example so we're talking about the food pyramid and eating all the processed sugars and processed carbohydrates well what is what does that cause now the government will tell you that eating red meat and cholesterol is what gave you diabetes that's not true what gave exactly. you diabetes is eating all the sugar right and that's I mean, that's, that's easily proven. And that's also proven by if you take somebody who's type 2 diabetic and you put them on a diet that is very, very low carb, very low processed sugar, their blood sugar improves 100% of the time. And it gets them off of medication the vast majority of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, uh, you know, I've done a lot of research on red meat and where people are do either... Um, a, like what they call the lion's diet or a carnivore diet and they all kinds of uh, chronic disease disappears exactly. um, and you know and a lot of that is because one all the nutrients that are in meat I mean meat I, I know this is crazy for people but meat actually has more nutrients in it than vegetables oh 100%. by far and uh and more bioavailable so and i know we've talked about this in the past but we're big meat people but um and you know so not only that so you have that going for you and then you have the fact that you've gotten off of processed foods which causes all kinds of chronic issues i mean i think it is 
I think what we eat is one of the leading causes of death in America. I would say premature death. Yeah. You know, I'd say we've gotten to the point with our medical advancements. People don't, you know, there's no, not as much infant mortality. People aren't dying from hazardous things or wars and different stuff as much anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you take a person that lives a healthy life and doesn't die from an accident or something fluky like that, they should live to, I mean, what do you think? 90? Easy. A hundred maybe even. But it's these, uh, it's this poor diet leading to these chronic diseases that cause people to, say, have a heart attack or get cancer or, you know, uh, Alzheimer's even. I mean, we have seen diet be linked to uh, brain function and deterioration in, in brain ability. So there are these, all these leading causes of death that you can tie back to diet and that are causing people to die at, you know, 60, 70, even 80 instead of... 90 or 100. Right, right. You know, and we talk, we talk about a lot of uh, these studies and, and um, research that we've come across. And, and I know we kind of speak to them uh, uh, kind of off the top of our head. So, you know, if you guys ever want to uh, challenge us, you know, or want to, more information on that, always fill out to reach out to us at the email. That Absolutely. We'll, you know, so. All this is, you know, we're not necessarily, we do talk about anecdotal evidence quite a bit and mm-hmm. stuff that we've tried on ourselves and how it's worked. But, you know, also our education is a result of the research that we've done, um, the things we lo- looked into. We're not just spouting it out randomly. Um, so this is all stuff we've looked into, educated ourselves. And what we're trying to do is summarize it in a way that can make it easy for you guys. We've chosen this as um, one of our passions, one of our pursuits, and we want to pass it on to you guys in a way that's that you know uh in a way you can trust in a way you can quickly learn and listen and and do what's ideal so i mean we're not out here trying to trying to push any agendas we're just out here trying to take what we've learned through ourselves and through our research and just help you guys the best we can yeah so um i uh i think you're right i think you know uh, we know you said something to me once where, um, cause there's always, there's always a, a conflicting theory or idea or research or, um, approach there's two sides. To everything. Yeah. So, um, and, and from, and some of these come from what we would consider prominent authorities, you know, there are people or at least they have the impression that they know what they're talking about. They'll have some PhD behind their name and, but, um, there is, you know, research and studies are sometimes set up to get a result, not to reveal reality. And so you have to look, I, I know I've done this in the past where I've, I've dug into research cause it, it would come out with a, a, uh, a result or, or a, um, what they call it, you know, they determine a hypothetical and then they do the research and then it will either match the hypothetical or it'll, uh, you know, or, or what they want it to say. Right. And, um, and then you dig into the research and how the, the, it was conducted and you realize that this was not, it was, it was, but to make it easier, it was slanted, you know, it was all set up to get a particular result. So, well, let's let's think about that logically for a second. If you're 
research studies don't just happen. They had to be funded. Correct. Somebody has to pay for them. Somebody has to allow this to take place. Exactly. So if you're the person that's funding a research study, a lot of times you're funding it for a reason. Why? Well, if you have a product to sell and you want to have a scientific research study published that shows that your product is the better thing to buy, there's some incentive to have a study, right? So you fund a study, and then all the people that you're paying to do this study, you got the scientists that's getting paid, you know, and they say, hey, you know, pay you a little more money if, as long as it comes out the way that we, exactly. that we want it to come out, you know. And, of course, it's going to come out the way they want it to come out. They're hiring the people and paying the people that are doing the study. It's going to come out saying what they want it to say, which is part of the reason why a lot of the confusion, because people, where we started was people would say things. And they're like, well, people say meat's bad. People say meat's good. Which is it? Let's do a scientific study. And that's that was kind of the answer. And so then everyone's like, well, the scientific studies are what we have to solve, because if not, why would we just listen to this guy or listen to this guy? But then we now we have the problem where everyone realized, oh, scientific studies are what people listen to. So mm -hmm. then we started manipulating scientific studies in that manner I just talked about. So now we have scientific studies that say the same thing on both sides. Right. So what I've done is in my life is research and then I try it on myself. And then based on how it goes on myself, if it's successful in myself, if it's not successful in myself, I just usually throw it out and say, that doesn't work. If it's successful in myself, I start telling it to people around me that are curious or, you know, trusted people around me and say, hey, you know, this is, this is what I'm doing and see if they will try it. And then if they try it and it's successful in them, then I start to say, now we're on to something. And then maybe I go out and research to see if there are other anecdotal evidences of people doing it and succeeding with it. And then I know I've got something, right? right. But I'm not just reading a scientific study and then saying, oh, I read this in a scientific study, and then I'm going to throw it out there and, and, and tell everyone about it and treat it like it's 100% truth when I don't know that yet. Right, right. And that's something I didn't finish that thought. That's something that I, mean, I remember you telling me once that there was a, an opposing idea that we didn't really teach. And I sent it to you and you were like, all I can tell you is I know what wor works in the gym. I've seen what works in the gym. And I thought, well, that's actually makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, we implement these it be it form or diets or, you know, approaches to fitness. And when we see success, it works, you know, and, you know, we have opposing, uh, views and, and that's the thing about the, the fitness industry is very nuanced. A lot of opinions about a lot of different things. Uh, and you know, a good rule of thumb when it comes to fitness is if there's a quick fix, most likely you need to shy away from it. You know, Hey, look like this in so many days by drinking this product, you know, doing this exercise or following this fitness program. Um, fitness is a, should always be a lifestyle, not, Hey, eight week program. I look like this. Um, and you know, they'll put some like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like figure out there. And you're just, you can't, you, you have to, the, the, the magic pills theory, it comes in all forms. And that's, this a good rule of thumb is to step away from that.
If it's yeah. too good to be true, it most likely it is. Yeah, it's a it's doing the right things over and over again, you know, all day, every day for years on end. And that that's where health comes from. Going back to our episode last week, that's where longevity comes from. And if you don't do the right thing <clears throat> and you let that compound for years on end, that's how you end up sick. That's how you end up diseased. That's how you end up dying earlier than you should. Right. Well, and dying of things that are, you know, cancer is huge right now. And I mean, probably the number one killer, probably the number one killer, maybe heart disease first, but, and you know, I, I will say it's very difficult to eat these days and eat healthy without additional work, right? In either growing your own food or going to the farmer's market or being very thorough about what you buy at a grocery store um it's difficult to eat healthy it's difficult and it's expensive yes but it's uh, the way i view it either gonna pay now or pay later exactly so what better investment to make than an investment in yourself and your health yes right what better investment could you make you know i'm i'm a very frugal person I don't like spending money. I like saving and, and investing. But I do spend money on quality food for me and my family. Correct. That I'm never, I mean, I've told my wife before, I'm never going to never gonna be upset about that. I'm never going to not be willing to work harder in order to make sure that we can eat healthy, quality food. Yes. And, you know, you came up, you're, I mean, you've had that, right out of high school into your marriage. Um, a lot of that for me has been in the last 20 years, right? So uh, I remember being in my teenage years and, you know, I was a distance runner and I'd run, you know, five miles, stop at McDonald's, eat two Big Macs and run another five miles, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, so, um, but my, yeah, a lot of my uh, regimen as far as what I eat has been in the last, you know, really lock it in in the last five to 10 years uh, as I get older, right? Well, I think that's important to point out too is we talk about longevity, living longer, avoiding these diseases doesn't mean that if you didn't start when you were 18 that you're somehow screwed. Yeah. It just means that, you know, start today. And if you're still pretty healthy and you're still living, then you're in good shape. But I will also say, you know, and this is where anecdotal evidence comes into play. People I've talked to, people I've listened to, you know, listened to their testimonials. People in some really, really bad situations that through diet have completely healed them. Yes. Um, are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? Yes. And his daughter, yep. uh, Michaela Peterson, mm-hmm. that's a great example. If you guys, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it now, but if you guys ever want to do some research, I mean, she had juvenile arthritis and, you know, even like depression, anxiety, and just was just honestly a mess. If you listen to her say what, she, tell her story and completely changed her diet and healthy as can be now. Yeah. You know, I mean, went from a mess, don't even know how you're going to keep living to you know, thriving health wise just by diet change. Yeah. It can be done. Yeah. And we can't, we can't, uh, overstate how important food is. 
I mean, you know, it is your lifeblood to, you know, living a good life, right? You know, we've talked about how eating healthy, better energy, better sleep, better mood, better fitness. I mean, I, I can't stress it enough. And, um, unfortunately, a lot of people have to go through the experience and have a, uh, some type of illness or, or health risk before they start saying, I need to eat better. Yeah. Just always remember guys, you are what you eat. It's a very simple old saying, but it's true. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Matt, anything else you want to add? No. Um, I will be looking forward to seeing you next week and, uh, we'll have another topic. Absolutely. Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to our episode talking about nutrition here. Um, mostly just touched on foods that, uh, are often branded as healthy that aren't, that are actually a little bit on the unhealthy side. All right. So those are the foods you guys want to avoid. Um, you know, we've talked plenty in past episodes about what foods you guys should be eating. Um, small changes. It's about small steps, you know, not necessarily changing overnight if you're, um, not there at this point. So just want you guys to work in that direction. Keep that in mind. And, uh, we look forward to seeing you back here next week on loading the bar podcast. Do we want to make a cheese cheese prediction? Oh yeah. Let's, let's do that real quick. Uh, Baltimore Ravens tomorrow in Baltimore. Um, mm. <laughs> I, I hate to do this because I'm going to I'm going to predict what I think is going to happen. Yeah. I'm not going to predict what I want to happen. Right. But I'm going to take Baltimore. Mhm. 30 to 21. I am too. I'm um <clears throat> I think Baltimore's <clears throat> going to get up on an early and I think Chiefs are going to be probably down 21 to 7 and and then by the time it's over it's going to be like 30 to 21. See, or, you can't take this. Okay, we'll do 35 to, to 24. There you go. All right. 35, 20, 24. All right. See you guys back next week. See if our predictions are All right. right. Bye-bye. Hey, look at you. You've completed another milestone by finishing this episode of Loading the Bar. Your future self thanks you profusely. Loading the Bar is podcasted from Kansas City, Missouri. Email us at cpt.kansascity at gmail.com. Forge ahead and share your progress. And we'll see you back here for another episode of Loading the Bar. <laughs>